In this fourth episode, I tell a story about a relationship that I had immediately following a long-term relationship I just got out of, the importance of trusting your intuition, and the wise words that you may encounter from people around you. This is an episode about how the truth can set not only you free, but also the person you're with. I hope you guys enjoy Passing Through, Episode 4, Costa Rica. It's okay, just cut it off. I assured the shaky stylist. She inhaled, unassuredly, taking three snips of thin air with sharp metallic scissors. I sat facing the mirror, my body half-hidden underneath a matte black cape, my feet dangling over stained wooden floors. The sides of my head were already buzzed, and I'd purposely been growing out my roots relaxer-free for four weeks. It's gonna be really short, she said, the damaged strands lying limply between her fingers. It's fine, just cut it. I thought Artie being bald on both sides would ease the anxiety of taking a little off the top. I didn't think I'd be that shocked when I looked in the mirror. But a second after she snipped that last chemically treated strand, I officially looked like M'Baku from Black Panther. Now, there's plenty of different products available for natural curly girls, assured the shaky stylist. I didn't put too much product in since we only had time for a big chop, but I personally prefer coconut oil and avocado oil. I nodded my head, robotically blinking at my reflection, itching to get my hands on some lipstick to remind the world that I was still, in fact, a woman. I took one more look, swiped my card, and rushed to the car. My half-inch, unruly curls waved hello in the rearview mirror the whole ride home. And at first, I treated my new do as I did most strangers, with a dash of skepticism and hint of curiosity, looking to get a real feel before fully embracing them with love and acceptance. My decision to Big Chop came a month prior, midway through reading Americana by Chimamanda Adichie. The main character, Ifa Melu, decided to go natural, replacing her creamy cracked tresses with gravity-defying follicles. Instead of doing a life sentence in a shithole called European beauty standards, she made a choice to break out of her own personal hair prison. And you know the saying, a woman who cuts her hair is about to change her life. Ah, change. The ugly, cute family member that's way too familiar. She was busy picking the lock of my current relationship. My boyfriend and I from the Puerto Rico episode had called it quits, and I waited all of two minutes to get involved with another guy. Commitment bias nudged me to outstay my welcome in this new, fresh, funky fling to show my ex that this time, things wouldn't fall apart. The new guy had passions that aligned with mine, he lived in a cool city and did cool things with his cool friends on weekends. I know, I know. Hopping immediately from one relationship to the next doesn't solve a thing. You need to work on yourself, realize it's okay to be alone, etc., etc., etc. Girl, I just needed a goddamn change, okay? So in less than a month, I hesitantly accepted the title of girlfriend. Again, blinding myself to bitter red flags and choosing to savor the sweet, tangy honeymoon period on the tip of my taste buds. Now, I will say, warning signs are mutable, just like the color red. They vary in depth and hue, so detailed and specific, it may only appear like a warning sign to you. So for me, if you're clingy, condescending, or controlling, it looks like Chinese New Year up in this bitch. In our short time together, we got into the occasional argument, but as weekends passed, there were increased demands for me to be more responsive, 
and four paragraphs worth of text messages when I took too long to type back. Coming fresh out of a laid-back relationship, I felt like I accidentally picked up a second job. It was bearable, especially since we only saw each other on weekends, though I'm sure I would have tapped out of his clingy full Nelson much earlier if we lived in the same city. Even with distance, I saw familiar signs. I'd rid myself of the desire to be possessed a long time ago. I was free, never to be caged again. On a bone-chilling Sunday morning in January, I pressed my face against a foggy window, watching a cluster of plump pink clouds as our plane glided south towards San Jose. We were heading back to one of the most beautiful places I'd ever been, a lush jungle oasis on the top of a mountain. This time for a seven-day photo gig initiated by Justin, the new guy, an itinerary packed with fresh local food, surfing, sunset horseback riding, and spa treatments, the whole shebang. I was most looking forward to the passion fruit pie, though. Its perfect parts held together by buttery bits of graham cracker crust, drizzled with honey and decorated with sour seeds from its mother fruit's womb. Fuck the infinity pool with a panoramic view of the Pacific Ocean. Give me the pie. A tall, sturdy man waited in the welcome area, waving a sign with the resort's name written in bold blue sharpie. Hola, como estas? He asked, his voice assertive yet soothing. Mucho gusto, I replied. Bueno, he said, not smiling. Pura vida. Halfway through our three-hour trek to Uvita, we stopped for smoothies by a bridge. Tourists, tempting fate, dangled over the metal edge trying to spot crocodiles, their bodies camouflaged under milky chocolate water. I sat my ass safely by the smoothie stand, watching the humans watch the flesh-eating reptiles. I've never claimed to be Steve Irwin. I just watched the show. And if one of these idiots slipped up and fell into the waters below, myself and ten crocodiles, now bathing on the bay, were in for a treat. Our driver hauled a black-tinted 4x4 for what seemed like an eternity up a mountain, the truck's tires crunching, chewing, and spitting gravel with every twist and turn. We cracked our windows to capture a couple photos. You could hear toucans singing, dancing, and gliding through the dense green canopies. Twenty minutes later, our driver put the vehicle in park and stretched his arm halfway out the window, firmly pressing the gate's doorbell, signaling our arrival. Justin gave my knee a soft squeeze, and for some reason, it annoyed me. Everything about this dude was annoying me lately. I forced a smile and hopped out of the truck, camera bag in one hand, purse in the other. The resort was just how we left it. Divine. Something out of a dream. Walking up to reception, the smell of the tropics jolts your soul and stirs your senses. Your whole body inhales a whiff of polleny, thick, citrus sweetness. Reggae plays softly in the background while you refresh your hands and face with cool towels. The resort pool is edged with pristine white daybeds that overlook a panoramic view of Uvita's pride and joy. A sand formation that extends into the ocean in the shape of a whale's tail. You have to see it to believe it both the tail and the resort. Justin and I took a seat in the dining area next to the pool. A young, handsome waiter, smirking in sun kits, set down drinks on both sides of our table. Aren't you glad to be back, honey? He asked, rhetorically. Yeah, I replied, taking in the sights of a familiar place with fresh eyes. It's interesting, I added, coming back to somewhere you've been before. It's never the same, not in a bad way, but the first time you go somewhere, it's like, wow. Abruptly, he looked up from his phone, annoyed. I think it's better the second time around. Don't know what you're trying to say. It's still beautiful to me, he retorted. 
Too tired to explain, too lazy to argue, I slurped the last bits of my agua de sapo and nodded in fictitious agreement. The evening sky took a cotton candy hue by the time we were ushered to our room. I threw down my bags, grabbed my toiletries, and took a quick shower. Justin was taking pictures of the sunset on the balcony, so I swiftly slipped on my pajamas, grabbed Americana, and sunk my teeth into another chapter. In the book, Ifamela was experiencing a romantic dilemma. She met a handsome American named Kurt, who on paper was someone she should have been madly in love with. They were fairly compatible, seemingly happy, but something was missing. The flame between her and another soul burned brighter and stronger than the fleeting spark she felt with Kurt. She had not entirely believed herself while with him. That was the last line I read before Justin walked into the room. Ugh, always reading, he mumbled. Unbothered, I turned the page, eager to see what Ifamelu would decide. Would she settle? Shit, would I settle? The next morning, we had a meeting with the owner to go over our itinerary. A badass, 30-something-year-old Costa Rican woman with jet-black hair, shaved sides, and a smile that matched her six-pack. Chiseled and glistening. Yeah, my girl crush is real. Biologist turned hotelier, sustainability was a driving force in the construction of the resort. Her longtime boyfriend being the chief architect. You could tell this woman could do bad all by herself. And any person that she even semi-entertained would have to be a master at their craft, an equal partner in her eyes. Her boyfriend was exactly that. He smoothly set down his beer glass at the bar, walked over, and warmly shook our hands. Welcome back, my friends, he said, flashing both rows of teeth with a single grin. Thank you. We're happy to be back, we responded in unison. After our meeting, we headed to the main area to capture shots of the guests by the pool, fresh fruit drinks, and a few items off the lunch menu. I struck up conversation with an older woman and her nephew while they dried off on daybeds. Hi, dear. My name is Rosa. I'm the architect's mother, she proudly announced. And this is my nephew, Ted. He's visiting from San Francisco. Her aura oozed no-nonsense and a nosiness comparable to my mother's. Face half covered by a gigantic black floppy hat, she adjusted her pearls and continued her questioning. Oh, that camera is gigantic. Are you a photographer? I think I saw someone else around here taking photos, she said, glancing at Justin. Is that your partner? Boyfriend? Boyfriend, I muttered. A title I couldn't seem to state with confidence even after months of dating. Its name in my mind, still synonymous with someone else. A few nights later, we were invited to watch the sunset with the owner and her boyfriend's family over chilled white wine and cheese. Cicadas hummed noisily in the background as we made ourselves comfortable in the dining area's couch. Rosa sat to my right in a tight black dress and gold chandelier earrings looking regal as fuck. The owner filled my wine glass to the brim and gestured towards a beautiful spread of cured meats, cheeses, breads, and pickled vegetables. Por favor, help yourselves, she pleaded. Two glasses of wine later, Rosa turned to Justin and I and decided to ask a couple questions. So, she said, smirking, how long have you two been together? Mm, I'd say eight or nine months, I replied. Basically a year, Justin countered. She watched us, closely. She noticed the sharp look he gave me after my answer, the insecurity in his rebuttal, the tone of my voice, the position of our bodies, the space the void. She could feel it, the way a shark can smell a single drop of blood in the ocean. She spotted a wound, 
and was salivating for more. And do you guys live together? She asked. No, I replied. We live about three and a half hours away from each other. Oh, wow. How often do you guys see each other then? Like every weekend, I usually drive down to him. Justin took a sip of water, shifting his weight towards me. So would this be the longest amount of time you've spent together? Seven days on this trip? She probed. My eyes widened as if I'd just realized that myself. Yeah, it is, but the distance isn't a problem for us. Eventually, we plan on living in the same place, Justin interjected. She threw her head back, clutched her pearls, and cackled. (laughs) Honey, she said, her dainty hand now resting on my knee sympathetically. You guys need time together. How else are you supposed to get to know someone? Life is too short. Sensing slight discomfort, the owner interrupted Rosa and said, Marco and I were long distance for a bit. He was in San Jose and I was here. Yes, Rosa agreed, but that was for two months. She shook her head, popping a piece of Parmesan into her mouth. Justin squirmed, appearing eager to change the subject. Rosa, indifferent to Justin's discomfort, continued on and on about her adventures from 20 to 60, describing the places she's been and the people she's met with mesmerizing detail. No man has ever stopped me from going on an adventure, she said, now solely looking at me. Loving me is an adventure. I've had lovers, I've had husbands, some were stupid enough to think they could control me. Foolish, she recalled in disbelief. The sky turned a fiery orange before fading to indigo that night. I sat for a little longer, savoring Rosa's words, before Justin tapped me to get up, saying he was tired and ready to retreat to the room. After he fell asleep, I lay awake thinking of what a relationship looked like long-term with Justin, a future with someone who felt insecure about even letting me out of their sight, someone who complained about likes on Instagram, someone who mistaken their constant need to be right with understanding, someone who got anxious when I didn't text back and angry when I mentioned my exes, someone who wanted to pretend we were each other's firsts and each other's lasts. I didn't entirely believe myself while with him. I finished Americana on the morning of our departure. Spoiler alert, Aoife Melu eventually cheated on Kurt, they broke up, and she ended up reconnecting with the love of her life back in Nigeria. I knew I had yet to experience a love without limits, and even though the book was fictional, the way she described her connection with Obi felt real, and my relationship with Justin felt forced. Seven days together didn't bring us closer, It killed the high of occasional visits and made our differences palpable. When we arrived back in the States and eventually Justin's apartment, I still had a three and a half hour drive home. Great. More time to build mental models and imagine different scenarios of where my relationship would take me. We should give it some time, I thought, vigorously switching through the channels on the radio. My thoughts were conflicted, appearing as devil and angel arguing their sides on opposite shoulders. Don't be too quick to jump the gun. You literally just broke up with your boyfriend of three years. Now you're going to break up with this guy? Well, what do you want me to do? Wait another three long years before ending it with this one? He's a nice guy. This is really going to hurt him, man. I don't want to hurt him. But you also don't want to be in this damn relationship. Shit, any relationship. You need to be single. Are you heartless or something? 
This all could have been easily avoided. You should have never gotten into this shit in the first place, bro. A week later, I was set to join him in his hometown for his friend's birthday dinner. I squirted a generous amount of gel in my right hand and ran my fingers through my newfound curls. A cute quarter inch of new growth sprouted from my once shaved sides. A pinch of foundation and dash of lipstick later, I was ready. When we arrived at dinner, we took a seat next to four couples and a few bachelors. The birthday boy, smiling from ear to ear, welcomed his guests while sipping a crystal glass of Crown Royale on the rocks. Him and his girlfriend had the chemistry of that high school couple that you always see making out in the middle of the hallway. I engaged in awkward conversation with a few people at dinner, including Justin, and thought, yo, am I the weird one? Cause no one's talking about anything. Like there were a couple inside jokes thrown out and obviously I didn't get them, but even the girls seemed spaced out. My odd epiphany to officially call it quits came later that night. The group made their way to an after hours joint at a hotel lounge. Smelling of cheap perfume and cigars, half the room was lined with floor length windows overlooking the city. A local band was playing old school jazz on center stage as bartenders poured shots of tequila and whiskey. The birthday boy, battery charged with liquid courage, walked to the middle of the room and grabbed the mic. Slurring his words, he shortly improvised with the band singing happy birthday off key. When the music eventually faded, he screamed, It's my motherfucking birthday! into the mic. His imaginary audience also liquored up, clapped, whistled, and cheered. And I just want to say, he continued, I have the best family in the world, the best friends in the world, but I've got to thank someone special, my baby, man, my baby. Come up here, girl. His girlfriend adjusted her dress and wobbled up to the mic, eventually letting out a high-pitched cheerleader, woo! Then they proceeded to swap fluids in a long, wet kiss that I had to resist turning away from. I peered over at Justin, laughing, clapping, cheering, he looked genuinely happy for his friend. He looked hopeful, almost like one day that would be us on stage, tonguing each other down in an unapologetic display of like for one another. That one day we'd have our family and friends surrounding us with love to witness a holy matrimony, our hashtag going viral with a thousand plus comments saying couple goals. One day I'd finally see that him being a pretty good guy was all I ever needed but he didn't actually know me. That night, I realized that if I stayed with him, I would be watering a false hope, a hope that would grow uncontrollably, reaping only fruits of resentment. When I got home, I called my sister to come over to pick her brain. She hoisted herself onto the island in the middle of the kitchen, both legs swinging above dark brown cabinets. If you really care about him, she said, you'll tell him the truth. I knew when you got into this that you needed to be by yourself. I'm not going to say I told you so, but yeah, yeah, I get it, I replied. I really don't want to hurt him, I mumbled. What do you think you're doing by lying to him, she said. And you lied to yourself for long enough. Let's be real. I sat there, silent. Every bone in my body knew she was right. What I needed wasn't another suffocating relationship. What I needed, like Rosa was an endless adventure. The next day, after work, I set my keys on the counter, took a deep breath, and dialed Justin's number. Hello? Hey, do you have time to talk? I have a couple things I need to tell you. 
thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day to listen to episode four of Passing Through. Please, I'd love to know what you think. So review the podcast, rate the podcast, comment, share. It's been such a joy getting all of these messages and all this feedback from you guys. It's honestly made this process so much sweeter. Thank you again for listening.